Hello and welcome back to the Eclipse Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant. It's been a while since we've had any new episodes on this feed, but thank you so much for tuning back in for this postseason, which promises to be a historic run for the Clippers. Today, I'll be joined by my friend Joe Morgan of the Sporting News to talk about the Clippers' first-round series against the Mavericks, what went well and what didn't in Game 1, and what to look forward to in Game 2. Without any further ado, here is that conversation. All right, we are joined by Joe Morgan from the Sporting News to talk about Clippers-Mavericks Game 2. Joe, how do you think the Clippers looked in that last game? I like that. You go right to it. No fluff. We're no fluff. Um, I thought, you know, I have to say, all in all, I actually thought they were fine. So, you know, I, I think in that, in that first half, when you get out to that big lead at the beginning, was it 20 to 4 or something? 18 to 2, um, yeah. 18 to 2, they're hitting a ton of shots. Um, and eventually, that's going to stop. You're going to stop knocking down those, those jumpers, just the way it's going to be. Um, and I, you know, I think defensively in that first half, allowing, I think, 12 three-pointers from the Mavs, I think that's, that's obviously a lot. You can't have that. But I, I still think overall they're a, they're a much better team than the Mavs. I, I, think, I don't think Dallas can stick with them um, in a seven-game series. It's not gonna, it doesn't concern me that much. The only thing that does concern me, quite frankly, is Luka, um, who is a problem. So it, I think Doc mentioned it either yesterday or today about how really the thing that frustrated him was allowing Luca to make the passes that he did to, to, to open, open shooters. That can be a problem. If you allow him to be a playmaker and a scorer the way that he did, I do think that could be a potential issue. But I think all in all, I, I, look, I think, honestly, even just I, I, we're coming off of this Lakers game, watching that team versus watching what I watched for the, for the Clippers, the Clippers have so many guys they can throw at you off the bench, it's pretty wild. You know, even like Jermichael Green is in there. And then you have even Landry Shamit. I don't – we forget about Landry. But, like, you know, Landry is a guy that teams would kill for. So, I think the Clippers are going to be fine. I, I, I thought they might have looked, you know, maybe a little rusty, I guess, if you can say that after eight consecutive games in the bubble. But I, I think they're fine. Yeah, it was really interesting because they got off to quite possibly the best start you could hope for, right? You know, Luka turns the ball over five times in the first five minutes. You're up by 16 points. Uh, that defensive intensity is there. It seems like, you know, everyone was saying how this was the worst possible matchup for Dallas just because of the bevy of perimeter defenders that they could throw at him. And just that was all like coming to fruition immediately. And then the tide turns. And I can't figure out if it's just, you know, Luca's really good and you're going to have to subject yourself to the fact that the Mavericks are going to score at times because they are a historically good offense. I mean, I don't think they're the best offense historically, even though their rating says so just because the offensive numbers are up and whatever. But you know, they're going to put up points. And uh, uh, our friend Jovan at The Athletic brings this up all the time that they shot very poorly on threes against the Clippers during the regular season, but that's not going to be the case all the time, right? They've got Seth Curry, they've got Tim Hardaway, they've got a bunch of guys who can knock down shots. Um, I just, I didn't like the way the Clippers managed the rotations in that game. And I understand you have a lot of players. There's a lot of different looks you can go for. And the Clippers have only had their fully healthy lineup for what, 11 games this entire season, I think 12 games this entire season. Uh, so it's to be expected that you're not going to know exactly what to do with all your, all of your rotation when it's available. So I get that, you know, there were some kinks to work out, but I wanted the Clippers to put, make more of a statement and they didn't. And I know that's like not that big of a deal. It's game one, whatever, you know, you got the job done, but when you're a title contender and obviously the Lakers did not do this, the Bucks did not do this, but I feel like you should make a better statement in game one and they didn't. And I just, I felt a little lacking. Well, 
I, I agree with you. Look, I, as you make the point about making a statement, I'm not sure if anybody made a statement yeah. in, in the first game. Across maybe the Blazers. The <laughs> yeah, maybe the Blazers. Maybe Houston, right? Okay, yeah. there might be something there. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's not like we haven't seen this Clippers team before. So I'm not quite sure what we were expecting. Um, they definitely go through lapses. They definitely go through times where they look kind of lethargic and, you know, we'll see what happens. And then they always find their way back. Like, this isn't like a new Clippers team. We've been frustrated with them during the regular season, you know, pre-pandemic, if you will. So I wasn't expecting them to come in and blow out Dallas. Um, I I like the way that Paul George looked a lot. I really thought, look, I I think he took a a good amount of threes. But when he wasn't, he was getting to the rim. Um, which I really think is big for them. And then I thought Zoo was like, as you wrote about, um, you know, was like the highlight of the game. So I, maybe I'm being – suddenly I'm the positive guy here, which I really <laughs> like playing this role. I, I think finding Zoo, like like the way that he played, I think is so big for them moving forward because the number one issue with this team and the number one thing we've been concerned with all year long is, is can they defend bigs? Do they have the guys who can get it done – and Zoo was fantastic. Not only, he was actually pretty good offensively as well, but defensively he was wonderful. So I think that's kind of what I pulled from this game one because if I look at that Dallas team, I, I simply don't believe that they can beat that Clippers team four times. I, I think it's a five-game series. So I think in a game one, there's going to be some kinks. They're trying to figure it out. I think it was just probably the best-case scenario, to be honest with you. However, if you want to talk about Porzingis being chucked for the game in the third, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming around on the Porzingis thing just because, like, apparently it is a rule in the NBA rule book that if you do the air punch, it's a technical foul, so they're following the letter of the law. It's a stupid rule. I agree with that. But I think I wrote this today that, like, the, the ejection was, like, legally correct, but it just seemed to violate the spirit of playoff basketball, you know, yeah. and that's what bummed me out. Um, I did love his post-game press conference where he was just like, you know, I, I went through all of the possible scenarios that could happen in my first playoff game. And, you know, getting two technicals and escalating a fight was just not one of them I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, the, like, I, I do think Porzingis is a problem. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I've actually been down on him a little bit. And I know like the last 25 or 30 games, he was actually fantastic for Dallas. But the way that he's able to bring guy, like the bigs out of the paint is really, really impressive. And if he's going to be able to knock down those shots and bring everybody out, and it does allow Luca to do his thing. And at the end of the day, look, Luca's an okay shooter from, from three. He's got those right. ridiculous, right, those step backs. But if he can get into the paint and create, that's really mm-hmm. what he does best. And I thought Zinger, at the end of the day, really complimented, complements what Luca does. So I am curious to see in game two um, if there's any adjustments that the Clippers make because – you know, before he was dejected, there was some concern. So <laughs> I can go back to negative Joe real quick. It, it wasn't looking that great. Um, I think that has to be the main focus of Doc, even though I think he said the main focus is making sure Luca can't create, but that does tie into Porzingis as well. Right. I think you make an excellent point that when you can space the floor like that with Porzingis, you know, out on the perimeter, it just gives Luca so many options, right? Because I'm sure the Clippers would rather force him into just being a scorer because he's a much less accomplished score, even though he put up, what, 42 points at an NBA playoff debut record in his first game. But that's not the part of his game he wants to focus on, right? He wants to be a playmaker. He wants to get into the paint, collapse the defense, and, you know, pray for his teammates. And 
it's so strange to like see that like inversion of the big small you know pairing right like where the small guy wants to get into the paint and the big guy just does all his best work outside and like it looks so awkward when Porzingis posts up like I don't want him to do it any more often there's so many other big guys where I'm just like just get in the paint and just do your job there and with KP I'm like get out <laughs> like we're doing just fine well you know what's funny is and I know this is a Clippers podcast but this mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're talking about the Mavs uh they're playing the Mavs like it's interesting because I actually would think that with Luca, at some level, I would want like a big who at times would, would post up and be able to get some points in the paint and let kind of Luca create on the outside. And then the more, I, to your point, the more I watch them play, I'm like, I don't want Porzingis anywhere near the paint. Just get the hell out and let Luca just get into the paint. And look, I have to say this there was like two possessions in the fourth quarter. Dude, Luca bodied Kawhi. Like, <laughs> shoulder into Kawhi I've never seen Kawhi Leonard get like pushed off of his spot because he's Mm -hmm. honestly one of the strongest players in the NBA and I'm trying to remember what it was it might have like four minutes left to go in in the fourth I think I know exactly which player you're talking about actually but a shoulder into him yeah right and he got him off and I think he made a layup he got like a little banker right a little bank right exactly and I remember what I was like what in the world is that nobody does that to Kawhi so look I, I I certainly don't think by any measure this series is like a walkthrough. I, I think maybe we overrate or underrated Dallas, if you will, and overrated the Clippers a bit. Cause I was one of those guys who said, I don't just match up wise and what we had seen from the regular season, there was no way that Dallas can compete. Um, I think if Luca's going to play that way and look, they do have shooters, right? You mentioned Curry and a few others. They have guys who can knock them down. Um, if, if the Clippers don't tighten it up a little bit defensively, I, I think you might be in for you know, maybe a six game series. I still say five, but it could be six. Yeah, I think the tightening up defensively is the next thing I wanted to focus on because the one thing the Clippers really did to let Dallas back into the game was they just were so undisciplined. Like they were, their help side rotations were all over the place and then they just kept fouling over and over again. And you get that team in the bonus, like, you know, you start seeing free throws fall once or twice and then all of a sudden it's just much easier for those three-point looks to go down. And that's like the one thing where uh, I feel like the energy, so the Clippers' energy kind of comes from Patrick Beverly and Montrezl Harrell. You've got Pat in the starting lineup. You've got Trez coming off the bench. And Trez obviously was on this minutes limit and was not himself yesterday, which is to be expected. He hasn't played a game of basketball since March, right? Like he missed every single game in the bubble. Um, But then Pat, if you go and get yourself in foul trouble and limit yourself to what, 20 minutes that game? Yeah, 20 minutes, which is, you know, far below his total. It's not what you expect Beverly to be playing. That's where I think the Clippers were sort of just missing something, right? They just didn't have that juice. And Beverly, I know, was more disappointed in himself than anybody else because you know he prides himself on his individual defense and that just was not there against Luca. Defensively I, I look I gotta be honest with you there's one thing that does not concern me about the Clippers it is it is defensively and yeah. I, you know I look I know um, we get nitpicky here as we cover this team and we see them day in we used to see them I guess day in and day out on it. We watch them on TV day in and day out. You're right now we watch them on TV and Zoom it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, it doesn't it doesn't concern me that much because at the end of the day what what NBA basketball is like let's just take the regular season the regular season is really not about the first three quarters okay and I used to see them slip up all the time they got really loose the rotations were trash fourth quarter they tightened it up I thought that they also did some of that last night and I I know that Porzingis wasn't in there but I do think in in clutch moments in moments where you need to get stops the team just defensively does not concern me at all I think Luca is going to get his. 
I don't think you can stop him. That's the one thing I, I thought basically was I, I think they had two guys, maybe even three guys, who could defend Luka and limit him. I think we now have to admit after game one, that's probably not the case anymore. I just don't think you can do it. So I think defensively the switch has to be, and I keep alluding to this, but I think it's co- absolutely correct, is defensively you have to almost allow Luka to be a scorer and defend off of him and not allow everybody else to go off. I think that has to be the main focus. And look, Doc, can, Doc's a man who can make adjustments. That's what he does. I think he will do it. You know, I, much I love my boy Doc. <laughs> I'm never going to criticize him. I, I, defensively, it doesn't concern me all that much. And, and I got to be honest with you, with the way that Zoo played, um, I feel better about them defensively than I ever have. My, my number one concern at all times was in the paint with Trez at the end of all games. I'm curious to see what happens with that moving forward. Um, I don't know if Doc's going to trust Zoo come fourth quarter, crunch time minutes. I, I think from our experience, the answer is probably no. But I think the fact that he has, that he showed that, yesterday I think he could be a big asset to them down the stretch yeah what's crazy is that Zoo has arguably his best game of the season you know one of his better games of the season let's just say you know depending on like how you factor in the it was a phenomenal game for Zoo yeah right I think he had like a, a perfect shooting game against Dallas in the seeding games which like may have statistically been better but whatever like considering the stakes of this one this is as good as Zoo's ever been and he still plays zero fourth quarter minutes I know now I understand Porzingis is out like you, like you said, Luca just like got in Kawhi's body. Like there are things that Zoo does defensively that I can't even believe I'm saying this, but he provides a level of protection behind Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, right? Like that's important. And I, I again, nitpicking because you yes. know the Clippers. There's so many things they could clean up. So many things they can clean up, and they still win. You know, in a game where Luca puts up 42 points and the Mavericks hit like what? How many threes did they hit yesterday? They hit. Uh, they had 12 in the first half. I know that. They only finished with 15, but. Um, yeah. I, look, I, I think I, – look, I agree with you. Look, I, I thought there were times when – this whole thing focuses around Luca. It's just the way that it is, okay? Yeah. But when Luca gets into the paint and Zoo was there, I saw him it, – it was, it was more – he didn't want to go at him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't what it was when you had Green Marcus or – Morris or, yeah. Right, or Morris or anybody in the middle. He definitely respects Zoo and his size. And I think – I think even, not even – if you move past this series a little bit, I think – you're going to need him to contribute big minutes in the fourth quarter because I think his size does give um, the Clippers even more versatility than they've ever had before. You know, don't get me wrong. I I love Trez and what he can do, but he defensively, there's some serious liabilities and he he just doesn't provide what Zoo does. I would like, I would prefer if Zoo ended up being the closing guy. And I know that it's ridiculous to say, (laughs) But I, I, I just think that the way he's played, it wasn't just, it wasn't just last night. Like there were def, we've been screaming about this all year long. Like there are moments when he plays where it's like, that's the guy that gives you exactly what you don't have. And for some reason, Doc doesn't trust him. It was nice that Doc came, Doc came out and said, wow, yeah, I'm really impressed with him. This is my guy. Well, if you really are impressed with him, you're going to have to give him two seconds in the fourth quarter. Yeah, the, the zero zero next to his like box score number in the fourth quarter is it's so ridiculous every single time. It's it's kind of funny that we've been having the same debate, you know, five month hiatus, and we're still having the exact same debate when the game's come back. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't feel very good about Dallas's chances moving forward because, like you said, the Clippers, there were so many things they could have cleaned up. Like they they weren't even good defensively, and the Dallas couldn't steal this game, right? Like I feel like everything sort of 
you know, the Porzingis ejection being a notable exception to that statement. <laughs> Everything sort of went right for the Mavericks and they couldn't pull this one out. And I don't trust them in close games against Clippers because the Clippers consistently know how to execute down the stretch. And Dallas has, it's always been their bugaboo throughout the regular season. Luka gets tired and right. they are unable to make plays down the stretch. Uh, it sucks because <laughs> it could have been a really interesting finish, but like you just get to this point where, oh, it's a four point game, you know, with three minutes left, the Clippers are going to figure this one out, right? There's no right. entertainment factor left over. Yeah, da- Dallas just can't get it done in close games. It just that's just the data we've seen all year long. It just doesn't work. I, I I have to say something that I noticed, and it's small, and maybe not everybody notices it, but really good basketball teams close out halves. And I thought what the Clippers did last night when and I I think they were down six, what sixteen at one point mm-hmm. to make that a ball game at the end of the second half. I thought was excuse me the first half. I thought was incredibly impressive because suddenly you're going into the third quarter with a renewed sense of of really energy and you do have a little bit more momentum. That's what good teams do. do. And I rewatched the game today and I watched that second quarter twice and when you can go on a run the way that they can, it just shows me again, why they're so much more talented than really anybody else in the NBA. You had multiple get Morris is contributing Kawhi PG is getting to the rim. Even zoo had some points. I, I, I was really impressed by the close of that second quarter first half. Um, I think that's what wins you ball games in the NBA. And I was, I really thought that was something to, to glean from that game, if you will. Yeah, the thing, I just want the Clippers to take this series seriously because I think Dallas is better than whoever they're going to face in the second round. Interesting. I just want them to, you know, approach this with like the, I I don't even know who they're going to face in the conference finals at this point. It's a giant. Yeah, that's a toss. In the dark. But (laughs) I do think whoever they face in the conference finals is going to be the best team they face in the playoffs. And I don't think the semifinals are going to be enough of a ramp up to that point. Like, I think this is the toughest out they're going to have, you know, from the first two rounds. So I want them to focus a little bit harder here just to work out those details. Um, I don't know. It's a very minor. So you, you think Dallas is, is the hardest out as compared to like Houston? Oh, no, no. I think the conference finals will be the hardest team, but okay. I don't think next round is going to be a challenge at all for the Clippers. Gotcha. So Even I don't. You- even Utah, Denver, I don't, I don't buy it. I'm picking Utah, Denver. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess that's fair. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, the the, comp, the the finals is a is a problem. So like, I don't know what that looks like at this point. Is it I, Orlando? Is <laughs> right. Yeah, they're popping in there somehow. Um, the Lakers always concern me for the Clips because of the size. Mm-hmm. And look, you saw that tonight against Portland, like. The size that the Lakers have is it's incredible with, with uh, McGee and with Chevelle and with Howard and, and obviously with AD. That was always my concern. But the more I look at the Lakers, I, I don't see how even if they have the size advantage, how they could potentially beat a Clippers team with who they have coming off the bench. There's nobody there that can compete with them. So you might be right. It's incredible. The more I think about this now, it might be Dallas. <laughs> I was, when you said that initially, I was like, that's a ridiculous statement, but I think you might be right. I have turned you around to my line of thinking. You generally do. <laughs> okay. So if you're Dallas, what can you try to improve upon going into game two? Just uh, keeping your emotions better? Like what else? Uh, I, I think, yes. I, I think you can't allow uh, Porzingis obviously to be thrown out of the ball game. I, I liked what they did. I, you know, getting off to that slow start was obviously tough. Um, Turnovers were brutal. 
um, in the first half. You obviously have to stay away from that. I think that was Luca's most highest turnovers that he's had in his career. I think so, yeah. I mean, it's 11. Uh, I, I would hope it's the highest he's had in his career. Yeah. Right. So I, I think obviously turnovers look against a, a Clippers team that obviously is handsy and can capitalize on that kind of stuff. You have to, you, you almost, if you're Dallas, you almost have to be perfect. Um, to beat this Clippers team. So you got to stay away from the turnovers. And quite frankly, I would allow Luca to, to do more. I'm just, just give him the ball <laughs> and let him go. You know, like we, we get in this weird mindset and it's not anybody's fault, but like I see it in the NBA all the time. Like even saw it tonight with Dame. I'm like, give Dame the ball. Okay. And let him go to work. Cause he not only Dame is actually somewhat in my, not the same level as Luca. Cause I think Luca is uh, the greatest player in the NBA. Whatever. <laughs> um, they can still, these guys can still create. And I think at times, even with like the way that Porzingis plays, we sometimes get in, Dallas gets into that mode of like, let's let Porzingis get his shots up, whatever it may be. But it doesn't always come off of a Luka playmake, right? I think you have to put the ball in Luka's hands and basically tell the NBA, look, this is the future of the league. I hope you can stop it. <laughs> you know what um, might help him continue to go off is if Doc Rivers keeps playing Reggie Jackson. You didn't that like that, was, Rick, uh, seeing that, those tweets. People were upset. That was the huh? most frustrating part of the first game. I don't understand why he gets minutes, especially when he's not making shots. Like, okay, you put him in there, you think maybe he hits a couple threes, you know, saves some minutes for your other perimeter guys. If he's not making shots, what are you doing? I, I don't. I don't get I it. He was over five, correct? Um, he has a maddening habit, too, of, like, finishing out quarters with shot clock violations. It's a weird <laughs> thing. It's a very weird thing, but yeah, the Reggie thing is not working for me. I get it. He had a nice start, you know, in those first couple yes. games after the buyout. There's a reason he was available. Yep, completely <laughs> accurate. Turn that out. <laughs> we, I think you and I talked about this the other day on another podcast, like shortening rotations. Mm -hmm. Okay, so like it does happen in the playoffs, and I don't like even in the bubble. Like, I'm not quite – like, there's more guys even playing than I normally see. I don't think Reggie Jackson – I don't think he should be playing significant minutes down the stretch. I just don't. Um, and I, I don't know what the rotation looks like. I mean, if you're going to remove him. But I every time I watch the guy play, I'm not impressed with him. I think defensively you made that point yesterday where it's like, why, why in the world is he in here for a defensive possession? And if he's not going to get buckets, I'm not quite sure what he's providing. Um, I think it's close to nothing. Yeah, and it's again, it's it's like very nitpicky because this is a contending team. They don't really have flaws, right? Like, this is a very this is all we have. This is all we have. But I just yes. the one concern I have about the Clippers is that they don't optimize their lineup combinations. That's literally my only concern because I think they have everything available for them if they just play their best players maximally. But I I just I'm a little concerned that they're not going to find the combinations that work best. And this is just a little thing that like adds some extra concern there, because if you think that for some reason, Reggie Jackson is helping your team, that's a weird thought. <laughs> and I'm not sure I agree with that. Right. No, I, I agree. Look, but I'll come back to what I said at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I do have trust in doc and I think he'll figure it out. I, I, I think that, it, that he'll be able to shorten it a little bit because I just don't think at from even just in this series, I think we're going to see that Reggie Jackson is not the guy that you can have moving forward. I just, I just don't think you can play him significant minutes because I think he hurts you. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, historically with the Clippers, Doc has had this reputation of shortening his rotation too much, right? Right. Uh, just, uh, just a wee bit too much, right? Relying on like six and a half, seven guys for some reason. Um, 
And we saw it in the playoffs actually last year too, where, you know, the Clippers have been playing two five-man units for the majority of the regular season. Then he cut it down to like seven, eight against the Warriors, which was very clearly the right move. They outperformed expectations by any, you know, reasonable standard in that series. Uh, so, you know, there's more than enough reason to believe that Doc will figure this out and that the reason they're playing Reggie Jackson is just because Pat Beverly was in foul trouble or Landry Sherman has a foot injury, right? Like nothing to really worry about. Again, I think it's incredibly important that the Clippers won this game without playing their best, right? They were sloppy. Yeah. They didn't have their identity on the defensive side of the ball, which I believe is, you know, what's most important to them. Um, they let Luca be everything he wanted to be and it still didn't work, right? So, And they still won. Yeah, exactly. So well, good feelings you know, ahead for the Clippers, right? Like this is yeah. not this is not a worrying podcast. It's just, uh, you know, this is not the toughest team they're going to play at some point. <laughs> it's, a fine, this is the toughest team. <laughs> it's a fine-tuning podcast exactly. that's, it's that's a fine what, tuning that's what we're here for and let's you know if you want to really highlight some of the make look i thought Kawhi was pretty darn good yesterday okay 29 12 and 6 that'll get it done morris was fantastic i mean they couldn't mm -hmm. stop talking about him after that game so you know i i think there was a lot of a lot of good that came from that game i i just think they started they started fast allowed a big run from Dallas, which happens, and they allowed Luca to be a playmaker. I'm very curious to see what they do with Porzingis um, once he plays a, a full game, I might add, <laughs> game two. Um, there's some adjustments to be made, but if, I'm, if I am a Clippers fan, in no way am I concerned about this team in this round. Um, and, well, you know, and I, forget it, I'll just say it. I'm not concerned about this team for the rest of the postseason until maybe they get to the NBA Finals. Because everything that I have seen in the past two days from the Western Conference is I have – there is no team that is as deep and has as much talent as the Clippers do. And I don't think it's particularly close. All right, so prediction for game two. What do we got? How much are they winning by? Twelve. My That's least scary. favorite thing in the world – my least favorite thing in the world is predicting – scores when i when i used to have my own radio show and people would call in and say joe give me a number okay let's let's predict like the tenor of the game is it oh gotcha shoot out or like you know what's you know what's going to change from game one you think they're going to manage to put a dent into luca's stats like is porzingis going to show I, up or i think luca will probably um i think he'll probably shoot worse um i think they'll do a better job defensively on him um i also think it'll be a, a better defensive game uh, a good game of adjustments for the clippers um i i don't I, I see the clips coming out much stronger defensively not giving up 12 threes in the first half and quite frankly cruising to a decently easy win i i thought that game might have had something to do with, with I, jitter is, we, is weird to talk about in Orlando bu bubble where there are no fans, um, but I do think there there is something about that when it, this team who is clear, very clearly trying to win a championship, and you have guys like Lou Will, you know, who are on that team who have never won one. I think there's something to, to be said to that. I think it'll be a decently easy win, um, and I think they'll wrap it up relatively quickly. You still think this is going to go five games or four? Oh, this is not a four-game series. No, that's ridiculous so thank you trying to tell me Luca's gonna not win one game please you know how I feel about him all right well I guess it's not going to be game two that the Dallas Mavericks win so on that note thank you so much for hopping on Joe and uh, we'll see you later in the series or later in the playoffs I guess look forward to doing it again thank you 
Thanks to Joe for taking the time to talk about game two. And thank you to all of you for listening. I hope you enjoyed my first episode on the Eclipse Nation feed. I'll be back throughout the rest of the series and hopefully longer in the playoffs to talk about this team. Take care and go Clippers.